0: Hello, my friends, and welcome back to the Daily Zoroastrian. Today, we're going to talk about um, the goodness of God and rewards and punishment. Um, I've had a friend uh, who is a Christian friend of mine, and we discuss it often, um, heaven and hell and those things and punishment and rewards, and it seems to be difficult for a person who is of... uh, Christian upbringing to understand the purgation or purgatory concept of hell or punishment. Um, even in even in Zoroastrianism, we don't consider it punishment per se, but a cleansing, which is self-brought or self-imposed, because of the necessity of being cleansed from the trash that we pick up in life, so that we can stand once more before. Uh, the creator of Horomazda and the company of Earl Mazda as part of the pantheon, uh, reunited with our Fravashis, as it were. So, it is difficult for a Christian to understand that, and for many Zoroastrians or Mazdans to understand that hell is a temporary thing, uh, because it is difficult to reconcile that a good God would um, witness. Um, terrible and dastardly deeds done uh, by humanity um, and all of our depravity and uh, find a way to reconcile that with a, an eternal reward in heaven or the house of song. So, the best way I think to do, to uh, to to um, translate that into modern layman speak would be um, uh, say we're going out to we're on a ranch or a farm we're going out to feed the hogs and we have to walk through the the shit of the of the sty in order to feed them and before we can go back into the house we've got to find a way to spray that shit off our boots or take the boots off and clean ourselves up so the reward is back inside. The the crap of the pigsty is is the, the sin and the bad habits and neuroses and impulses that are negative that we picked up in life that, that attach to our soul. And we know they attach to our soul and not to our fravashi because the fravashi remains in heaven or in the house of song with the Huromazda and cannot be bad. You only ever read in the Yasht's and in the Yasna of the frivashis of the faithful of the good there is no frivashis of the evil because they cease to be frivashis in that sense and when a person returns to the good then he he, his, he somehow regains that frivashi. That's the only way I've I seen it because there is no frivashis of the evil ones this talked about. but the soul itself, the Dinah picks up those bad habits and, and those those sinful natures. And so when we reach the bridge and and the finality of our life, then um, we are greeted by our Dinah in the form of a beautiful maiden or in the form of a hag, depending on um, whether our our life has been um, weighed and judged to have uh, preponderance of evil or good. So uh, I would read uh, a few things just to... Uh, talk about heaven and hell and rewards and punishment and the goodness of God, because we know that God would not punish. That's something that we do. We have to wash off our own boots before we're entering the house. So, and uh, Dr. Mills, in his uh, translation of the um, the Yasna, he has a introduction, and then in he speaks of it. He says, if there existed a supreme God, whose power could undo the very laws of life. No evil could have been known. He's talking about if there was an um, um, uh, omnipotent God. But the doctrine denies that there is any such thing. The good and the evil in existence limit one another. There can be no happiness undefined by sorrow, and no goodness which does not resist sin. Accordingly, the evil principle is recognized as so necessary that it is represented by an evil God. His very name, however, is a thought or a passion, while the good deity is not responsible for the wickedness and grief which prevail. His power itself could not have prevented their occurrence, and he alone has an especially objective name, and one which could only be applied to a person. These suggestions, whether true or false, are certainly some of the most serious that have ever been made, and we find them originally here in the Gothas. While mankind were delivered up to the childish terrors of a future replete with horrors visited upon them from without, the early Iranian sage Zarathustra announced the eternal truth that the rewards of heaven and the punishments of hell can only be from within. He gave us, we may fairly say, through the systems which he has influenced, that great doctrine of subjective recompense, which must work an essential change in the mental habits of everyone who receives it. After the creation of souls and the establishment of laws which should govern them, our or piety gives a body and men and angels begin their careers. But what he's talking about here is that uh, from our youths in the West, we've learned of heaven and hell um, as uh, eternities, as never-ending. And so... One who must experience hell must experience it eternally. And there is no end. It is only perpetual torture. And that from a God who created him and who presumably is good, but admits of evil as well. Um, And so we can look at another place. We can look at um, uh, Pilu Nanavati's translation of the Gathas. But before the translation, he does a nice uh, introduction to the Gathas. And he says here, about the doctrines of heaven and hell, uh, Zarathustra is unique among the founders of the great world religions, in that he insists on everyone exercising his freedom of choice, man by man, each one for his own self. This, of course, not only forces every individual to think for himself or herself, but also to shoulder the responsibility the results of the actions taken. The generality of mankind would rather not take such responsibility. There are only two willing to pass on this to the church and the state. To think clearly for oneself is always an arduous task, but immensely rewarding. It gives every individual a sense of total freedom, but the responsibility engendered by the action which follows can become a heavy burden. Zarathustra, however, assures us that a does not abandon men and women in their distress, but sends them the, his powers. Help them make the right choice. He has not only granted every inner every man inner faculties to guide his choice, such as Dinah or conscious, Kratu, which is intelligence, chista, which is insight, Sraosha, the faculty of hearkening to the voice of a Hurmazda, but also placed his powers within man for that purpose. Moreover, he invites man to be his hamkar or co worker, so that hand in hand, Both may strive to bring about the Frasho-Kareti. This fellow feeling with Ahura Mazda gives every Zoroastrian an optimistic buoyancy which accompanies him throughout his life. Nothing can go wrong if we place one hand in the hand of Ahura Mazda and the other in the hand of Asha, or Truth, in our daily life, for Ahura Mazda and Truth are one. Moreover, Zarathustra insists that thought, word, and deed must be combined into a single unity. The good thought must be expressed in good words and both translated into good deeds. Hence the motto of the religion, humata, hukta, hovarsta. The good thought, conceived in the mind, must be spoken so that others may hear it and then embodied in action so that others may benefit. It is the happiness of those around him. It is in the happiness of those around him man finds his own happiness. So every Zoroastrian is urged to perform as many good deeds as he can throughout his earthly life. There is no other salvation for him except in the good deeds he performs on earth. Let me repeat that part. There is no other salvation for him except in the good deeds he performs on earth. That's significant in that we uh, tend to hear of salvation, of um, always attached to a forgiveness of sins, a declaration of faith, and a specific deity or or, or other uh, or a man who is part deity in jesus christ but in zoroastrianism we don't have that again we see in uh, john w waterhouse's book zoroastrian zoroastrianism written in 1934 the gothas hold that evil cannot be undone he's talking about the the deed and the good thoughts good words and good deeds the deed cannot be undone the this hold that evil cannot be undone but may be counterbalanced by good deeds which are the sinner's only hope. There is practically no place for repentance or pardon in Zoroastrian theology which taught salvation by works, every man working out his own salvation. There is no doctrine of atonement. He goes on to say that there is that uh, it was believed that there existed a sort of doomsday book "...in which the merits and demerits of each individual were recorded, and accordingly rewards and punishments would be meted out chiefly in a material nature. We meet nothing paralleled in the Indian desire for a man's supreme reward to be a cessation from all things sensual or material." So, in that sense, he's saying that the good and the evil um, of mankind's own deeds are rewarded with recompense here on earth in a material sense. And uh, if he has not reached it, um, those rewards or punishments by the time his uh, earthly uh, life expires, then there is a reckoning after in which all must go through anyway in the, um, the bridge ordeal or the, bri- the ordeal from a later date spoken of, of the ordeal of molten metal where all men must pass um, at once when, when raised. And, or resurrected and for those who are righteous uh, then it would feel like nothing more than a bath of warm milk Whereas to the, the wicked or those souls who have uh, gone past the return to good in this life and have not yet received their punishments then it will feel like molten metal in the skin but the greatest part of the whole thing is that in the end all will be returned to their ever young selves in the new earth, coupled with the new heaven. This is the new body coupled with the soul, reunited with the Fervashi. And that all will uh, receive Sava or salvation in time. And uh, will remain in that um, ever new, ever young state uh, throughout the eternal processes. So I understand that it is difficult for um, some minds, especially in the West, to reconcile uh, rewards and punishments with a temporal or temporary uh, punishment. And then to receive rewards, even after a life of uh, depraved acts and murder. And uh, Now, there is, I, I will end that by saying that there is in the Gathas and in in the later uh, portions of the Vesta, where it talks about the uh, pederast and the uh, courtesan and the irreligious will have no place in the house of song. And I can't quote those specifically uh, by by stanza and verse, but but I do recall those. And maybe that is for emphasis, or maybe it's literal, but remember that uh, generally when it's talking about rewards and punishments, heaven and hell, um, we believe that heaven and hell, in the best sense of the words, are the the best existence or the best mentality and the worst existence or the worst mentality. And so I think what he's saying there is that the those who have those depraved kind of um, proclivities and impulses tend to have a less uh, fulfilling and... Um, satisfied life and that if if one wants and desires to be um, in a good way uh, with a good life and happy and content, then one must achieve that through good thoughts, good words, and good deeds because there is immediate and eternal rewards for both. I hope you've enjoyed it today and I bid you a good day and ushteteh. Be happy and be well.